Welcome to the Alive Active Shooter Survival Training Program, where the experts break down active shooter incidents to discuss and assess each event to help you stay alive. This is your host, security expert and creator of the Alive Active Shooter Survival Training Program, Michael Julian. Hey everybody, welcome to the Alive Active Shooter Survival Training Program podcast. It's a little bit different today. Uh, we are at the GSX, that's Global Security Exchange Conference in Chicago, Illinois. And um, we had all kinds of technical difficulties. So I'm actually talking to you through my phone. That's why it sounds like I'm on the phone, but I'm using the camera on my, um, my Surface Pro to video. So uh, I'll just give you a little picture of what we got going on here. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people here uh, right now, uh, all security industry professionals, and uh, it's, it's an amazing show. It's the biggest show of the year internationally when it comes down to security, so it's really cool. Uh, a lot of my friends and associates are here. And I will tell you this, uh, Active Shooter is a gigantic part of this conference. I have this really cool planner here that we set up uh, all of the different, uh, you know, things, sessions and stuff we want to go see. And so I went through all the sessions and there's probably nine or 10 breakout sessions over three, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, over four days just on Active Shooter. I attended two yesterday, and I'm going to do two or three more today. Um, really, really good learning opportunities. Uh, there is one guy that uh, I went to yesterday. He did a, basically lessons learned on the uh, Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in uh, Florida last year, and by a guy named Michael Verdon. Met the guy afterwards, really cool guy, former Secret Service, now a security consultant, and he, he went over all the do, not the do's and don'ts, but all the things that we learned uh, about what the shooter did leading up to it, after uh, the aftermath, the lessons learned, which there were a lot of lessons learned and a lot of mistakes made. Uh, anywhere from the dispatcher that took the initial call to the uh, arriving law enforcement, the Broward County Sheriff's Department failed miserably. Uh, the, the school resource officer didn't engage like he should have. Uh, so anyway, the, 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 you know, these are horrible situations, but what we will take from them is we will learn how to be better moving forward. And we learned a lot, a lot of lessons um, about that. A real quick little breakdown. I learned a lot of information about it. So a 19-year-old former student of Marjorie Stoneman High School uh, puts on his ROTC shirt. So he fits in, he looks like, you know, a student. He takes an Uber with a gun bag with pouches for extra magazines. It was an AR-15 style rifle, pouches for extra magazines, gets in an Uber and goes there. Now, um, in the commission report after the incident, they uh, apparently either didn't, they didn't either uh, interview the Uber driver or they didn't put it in the report. But I'd be real curious to know what that Uber driver was thinking when he picked the kid up with a rifle and a bunch of extra magazines attached. Anyway, so he takes an Uber, he gets out. It's uh, at two, about 2.20 in the afternoon, and uh, there was the unmanned gates because it was about time for everyone to get out. So there was no security at the gates, even though they had multiple school employees that acted as like safety security monitors. 
and then one school resource officer. He got out, he knew which gate to go through, he knew which door to go through, he got, went in and he met, uh, went face to face with another kid who he happened to know in the stairwell. The kid said, hey, what's going on to him? He said, you need to leave, something really bad's about to happen. So the kid looked at him, turned around and ran out. That's when uh, the shooter, we won't say his name, the shooter took the, the uh, rifle out of the, uh, the bag and went into the hall and started shooting. Some other interesting things we found out, the shooter never actually entered any classrooms. The classrooms he did fire into and killed, killed some people, uh, he shot through the window. The, you know, the little small window in the door. Apparently that's how he had actually shot and killed. Now, the important lesson there is, um, you have got to get what they call a hard corner. You need to get out of sight of the shooter. So if all they can do is see through that window, stand over to the corner so you don't see that window or so you can't see anybody in through that window. So even if they know that somebody's in there and they don't enter, they're gonna, if they don't see anybody right away, they might go down to the next, uh, the next classroom or whatever. Uh, I found out yesterday, to, uh, more clarity going over the commission report, the whole incident lasted seven, uh, excuse me, seven and a half minutes approximately. He killed 17 and wounded 17, 14 students and three teachers. Uh, he, uh, he shot through the windows on the second floor out into the parking lot area. They had uh, tornado windows. So if the bullets fragmented, they did get through, but they fragmented before they, you know, as they passed through. So uh, they would have had less velocity. Um, uh, again, seven and a half minutes. And then as many people know, he threw the stuff down and he got in with a group of kids that were exiting and got out appearing to be just another student. Uh, at that point, he broke away from the group and then, took off and walked to a nearby McDonald's where he was caught uh, about an hour later by, um, oh, I can't remember right now. There was a neighboring law enforcement department, a police department, Coral Springs, Coral Springs PD. Now in the commission report where they talked about all of the problems and mistakes that were made, and there were several of them, uh, Coral Springs PD was actually praised because they had followed the training. They did everything right. They were the first ones I'm not mistaken, they were the first ones to enter the building because when Broward County got there, they actually set up a perimeter and began containment. They did not immediately address the threat, which we've all, we all know now is absolutely essential. Um, I don't know if you can see. So here's the gun bag the kid was uh, had with him, which is amazing that he was able to, to uh, get on an Uber and um, there was three stories to the building, three stories to the building. Um, and I believe it was on the first and second story that he actually uh, was able to, to kill people. Here's the windows with the, uh, the bullet holes there. And, uh, and then he literally, um, he just ran away. Now, here's another problem. You can see him running away after the incident. When law enforcement arrived, they're watching video believing it was real time and it had been rewound. And for some reason that was not communicated to the law enforcement. So um, law enforcement is actually looking at this thing, thinking it's real time, believing that he's still on the property. They did not know that they all clear could be given or that they could stop uh, looking for the guy because they, they would have seen him running down the, down the sidewalk like we just saw there. So that caused some confusion. Uh, 
there was a lot of mistakes made and you know I don't I'm not gonna I don't want a Monday morning quarterback this is a very intense situation uh, and you know a lot of stress a lot of pressure a lot of miscommunication went on um, but we definitely learned that there was some breakdowns and failures in this incident that uh, that we will hopefully avoid law enforcement and civilians response that we will hopefully avoid in the future go ahead Lawrence Michael, in all of that, was there any indication about uh, either the mindset of the attacker that set what kind of like what set him off, or did they talk about some of the mindset of the people that survived, or maybe some of the people that were injured? I know mindset. Great question, Lawrence. Our training and a big part of what we uh, stress with alive, and so that's what's uh, driving that question is find out more about the mindset. Absolutely. If you can, if you can recognize the warning signs and stop the threat before it's a threat, that's the best way to, to survive an active uh, assailant. So uh, the kid had a lot of issues. He, I believe, was a, uh, had been an orphan. He was adopted. He had a brother, um, and his mother had died. Then his father had died uh, more recently. Um, and, uh, you know, there was some mental illness. He had been in trouble multiple times, two of the times apparently involved either threats or violence or something like that. So the kid had definitely had, um, had, had been troubled. He had some issues, uh, bro uh, uh broken family life and, um, he just, you know, no cope, apparently not good coping skills because he decided to take it out in the, in the very worst way. That's a good question. So that was a really good presentation. And then uh, the, the chief of police of Aurora, Illinois, uh, did one on the Aurora shooting. And unfortunately, I was actually meeting with the, the presenter, Michael Bearden, from the last one. So I ended up late to the, to the, Aurora, uh, the, the Aurora presentation. But man, what a freaking dynamo that gal is. This little five-foot-nothing chief of police is... Uh, she is a quite a gal. Uh, she had that that audience riveted, and so she's talking about you know the response. And one thing I really enjoyed uh, was that she talked about it kind of as the, the whole incident, the after aftermath of it. Um, she talked about how her officers were affected. Several officers were shot, and they didn't know if they were going to survive. But it was such an intense response, and it was really neat. Um, to see the pictures and how she spoke about the the psychological effects of dealing with that shooting uh, afterwards, and she said, "Hey, you know, a lot of these people at the school, uh, what was it? I can't remember if it was a school. Um, anyway, at the facility, those employees took several days off to recover." She said, "My guys were expected to go right back to work that day after this thing, so they they suffered a lot of psychological stuff and." So anyway, it was it was pretty neat. Um, and then of course there's several several more. In fact, let me give you a little a little flavor of this here. Uh, what GSX is going to have. Uh, so lockdown when seconds count. Of course, we're going to talk about lockdown in schools. The Illinois School and Campus Safety Program, a winning model. So we're going to talk about what they believe is working for uh, active shooters in schools, which active assailant survival plan is best. Apparently they're gonna break some down. A 360 degree approach to active shooter training. 
reducing risk in K-12 schools. Armed security officers prevent active assailant incidences. Behavioral threat detection, that's tomorrow or uh, Wednesday, yeah. Protecting places of worship. How can civilians react to and survive an active shooter event? Pre-attack indicators, identify assailants before the first gunshot. The gap between school violence and security solutions, what's missing? So, I mean, this is very, very um, active shooter centric because it's such a hot topic. And, you know, they had originally asked me if I wanted to present, this was probably eight, nine months ago, and I was too stupid. I said, well, do you guys pay my, you know, I'm used to getting paid for this. So I'm like, did, did you, are you going to pay for my flight or anything? They go, no, we don't do that. You, you got to take care of that. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pass. And then I realized how stupid that was, and I probably should have taken it. So next, next year, I'll probably present here. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about, too, uh, is I, so I was speaking with a buddy of mine who's a uh, regional uh, security director for a multinational, well, a global billion-dollar company, and I'm not going to say the name, but uh, he had actually wanted, he had taken the Alive program to his CSO and CEO to try and sell them or tell them, listen, this is a really great program. I've seen it several times. I read the book. This is something that we should incorporate it into our safety culture. And the response from them was uh, they wanted to create their own and they wanted to dial down the violent reaction portion of it. And they want to call it run, hide, survive. Because now, now understand something, this company, they don't serve meat in any of their hundreds of cafeterias around the world. In their corporate executives, if they go out and they buy a steak, they won't reimburse them on their expense account if it's meat, if they eat meat. So they're, they're literally trying to, their, their agenda, the super liberal, you know, save the world, hold hands, kumbaya, everything's going to be fine, you know, Lego movie, everything is awesome mentality. They're trying to push it on people so much, they won't even... Even if you as a corporate executive, a valued employee, if you want to eat meat at dinner while you're schmoozing clients, that's fine. We're just not going to cover it. But if you want to eat tofu, we got you. So, so this mentality that they're pushing on everybody includes, well, we think, we think violence is bad. So we're just not going to, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to deal with it. We're certainly not going to teach you how to react to it. You can run or you can hide, but we don't want to talk about fighting. Listen, this is ridiculous, okay? I, I, don't, I won't get political. I will just say anybody that feels this way, that think this, thinks this way, is an effing idiot. Because an, an active shooter is not going to care about what your culture of violence or nonviolence is. In fact, they would love nothing more than to walk in and be unopposed by somebody that's going to want to try and take him out. Because... We don't do that because we're, you know, sweet and wonderful and, you know, gentle and violence is bad. So, um, literally, that is, it, it's asinine. And, and I've talked to corporate potential clients before, HR and risk managers, when they, when they inquired about the program and they said, hey, you know, we want to know more about it. And I start to talk about it and I tell them about my very raw, in-your-face approach to the fact that 
active shooters are bad and they're going to want to try and hurt you. So you got to counter them with violence, extreme violence, a full commitment to killing if that's what it takes. And they say, oh, yeah, we, our culture doesn't uh, support that. Well, that's probably not going to work for us. You know, and, that's I, and I'm telling you right now. That's just an example of somebody who's uh, more committed to uh, the way they look as opposed to actually saving lives. And that's, that's a shame. That's right. That's right. So Ben, I'd be curious to know from a, a civilian non-security perspective, what your thoughts are on that. And I know you're not, you're not hard conservative. You're not hard. I mean, you're kind of middle of the road as far as I, our, our discussions. What are your thoughts on that? Well, honestly, when it comes to my beliefs there, if somebody's going to try to kill me or kill my family or try to bring violence to me, if they're the aggressor, then I mean, I've lost all respect for them and I'm going to kill, I'm, I mean, I'm going to kill them if it comes to that. Like I'm not just going to let myself die because I'm too afraid to take action and to protect myself because I'm afraid of some, backlash on social media or being called you know a, a caveman or, or a brute or anything like that you know what if you want to call me that that's fine because i'll be alive to hear it i will have survived that encounter and that will be the least of my problems so yeah. family family always comes first for me and if somebody's going to try to bring violence to my family i'm going to fucking kill them and i'm going to i'm going to do it without hesitation and I'm not going to feel bad. And I mean, I will know that I'm 100% justified and self. Right. Virtual yeah, high good. five. <laughs> yeah, virtual high five. All right. That's good. Well, I, I respect and appreciate your perspective. Um, you know, I, I don't, I just don't understand this mentality. And I'm telling you, it is so counterproductive to any kind of survival mentality. And, you know, um, I mean, it's just, it's like <laughs> somebody said something the other day that I thought was awesome. They were talking about resentment and revenge and all this other stuff. And they, they said, it's like me drinking poison and expecting you to die. Um, it's these people believe that if they just don't think about violence, if they don't teach it, if they don't, if they don't allow it into their culture, it won't happen. That's not the reality of life and the world. And for any, I'm going to say it because I don't care. They're not going to hire me anyway. So I don't care if I piss them off. If you are an HR risk manager or security professional, and you believe that by denying the fact that violence exists in your culture, or if you don't want to talk about it, or you don't even want to use words like fight in your active shooter survival program, then you're an idiot. You are not living in a real world and you are going to get your people killed. Um, and I, you know, I, I'd even go as far as saying, I would liken that to these, these trainers that they start an active shooter training in 20 minutes and they have somebody walk in with a fake gun and start shooting blanks and scare the hell out of everybody. Or the superintendent at the school in central California that had the janitor walk through this, the school with a mask on and a fake gun that scared the hell out of kids. You're, you're traumatizing people. You're, 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 you're teaching them to be traumatized. You're treat, you, 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 trial by fire is not the right way to do it in this situation. 
You teach somebody how to catch a baseball before you throw one at their face. Getting that knot on the head by getting the baseball bouncing off their forehead is not going to teach them a lesson. They're, as soon as you go like this the next time, they're going to go like this. So there are two extremes. They're both equally ignorant. And um, I'm just going to you know, be real blunt about it. I think you're absolutely fucking irresponsible and you are a detriment to your job if you are the type of security HR risk manager that just believes that denying that violence and bad things uh, happening exists because they're going to happen and nobody there is going to be ready for it. You know, Michael, uh, let me step in for a second. I just want to say that uh, I'm really glad to hear that we're here. We are circling about talking about mindset again. And I think that when you uh, look at a lot of the active shooter survival programs, mindset is one of the big things missing. And that's one of the things that I love about Alive is we really touch on that. And I wanted uh, kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Sometimes people have a religious uh, connotation around um, uh, you know, violence and uh, hurting people and even killing people. And uh, I want to point out that um, I know that the popular translation in the Bible, in the Ten Commandments, one of them is, thou shalt not kill. But if you look at the original uh, words in the original definition of those words, it actually says, thou shalt not murder. And right. so... Unjustly kill. Exactly. It's thou shalt not murder. So there are times in the Bible when there are there is righteous violence for good reason and good cause and there is evil people you know this and i know this and a lot of the people listening that are security professionals know that there are evil people in the world and there you can't reason with them you i mean it's kind of like that conversation from the uh the terminator where you know he's just not going to stop till you till he kills you or or till you stop right. him you can't reason with them you can't you know, discuss it. It's not a discussion. We're not going to have a conversation about this. Um, it's got to be stopped uh, with with physically stopping them, and that might mean piling you know five people on top of them. It might be uh, if you have a firearm, shooting back. But uh, it, I'm glad we're having this discussion, and uh, I want you know anybody who's out there that uh, has that kind of belief that, uh, especially from a religious point of view. I uh, challenge you to look that up and to look into that a little deeper and to see that it's not about, it's, it's not about uh, violence or killing people. It's about murdering people. So when there's cause, when there's reason, it is okay to commit violence. And uh, I know that there's this popular saying also that they, you know, people say, oh, violence never solves anything. Well, that is not true. Violence solves so many things. It puts an end to, I mean, the Nazis would have run over the rest of uh, the world if we wouldn't yeah. have violently opposed them. And so that's, that's just one example in history of where violence absolutely solves something, absolutely stops something. And there's many, many, yeah. many examples, big and small, that are just along the same way. Well, I well, also, I also ahead, think it's worth, it's worth talking about the difference between being the aggressor and like defending yourself, right? Yeah. Because like, you know, as far as the religious thing goes, like I'm Jewish and you know, it's like 
from at least my experiences, Judaism is not a very violent uh, culture. We're not a very violent people. And I know just personally, like my first inclination is not to go to violence at all. And I'm not going to be the aggressor. But when somebody is being the aggressor and they're coming at you violently, like there is no, uh, you have no other option at that point. Either you die or you survive through violence. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think that kind of goes to um, reinforce how we all agree the, the idiocy of this new millennial liberal freaking way of thinking is just, uh, it's just not realistic. And I guess if, uh, and, 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 you know, again, in the, in my book, 10 minutes to live, the first chapter is it'll never happen to me. That's the kind of denial that is this mindset. And that is, you're not going to be prepared. And preparation is the most important thing in this situation, knowing what to do so that when it happens, you don't have to try and figure out what to do. But if you decide that you deny that violence or that, that you know, hostility or bad people exist, you're not going to be ready. There's no chance of possibly being ready for this situation. So I agree with both you guys. So anyway, yeah, this, um, it, this has been a great show. And I was actually going to try and get a couple of different guys on here. But because of my freaking technical difficulties and uh, having to go through the phone, I don't think I'll be able to, to get any of my buddies. I've got buddies from the executive protection world that are all from all over the world that are here. Uh, again, this is the GSX 2019 GSX global Ex uh, security exchange conference, biggest one of year anywhere in the world. And they used to do it in Vegas most of the time, but they must've decided that they wanted to have something closer out, uh, out East uh, to make other people happy or something. But Chicago's definitely the right venue for it. If they're going to do it out here, it's pretty awesome. This is, this is probably the biggest convention center I've ever seen. I'll give you guys another another peek. So that's the exhibitor area. And then those floors up there, they go all the way up to five floors, are all classrooms. And um, there are literally thousands and thousands of people here. Um, and I mean, you know, in there, there's uh, shot detection. There's uh, bullet film for windows. There's every kind of gizmo and gadget for you know any that has to do with active shooter safety and security is in that room right now i don't know how many freaking millions of square feet that exhibit hall is but uh i it just opened this morning so i will be spending the next probably three days uh going to classes and doing client meetings and looking at all the new giz gizmos and gadgets and uh checking that stuff out so it's going to be pretty exciting um, I think uh, what I would like to do is, uh, obviously, I like the format that we're doing, but just for our viewers, um, I think we might start delving into the Alive program a little bit by doing one step per podcast over the next uh, uh, five podcasts, just to, to talk a little bit more about that. What do you guys think? Sure. Talk about, yeah, we'll start with a set Absolutely. maybe next week. Yeah. Um, of course, we will, I'm sure, unfortunately, some cowardly piece of shit will give us something to talk about between now and then because these things are happening so frequently. With any hope, with, with any luck, we won't have any new content to talk about. But in case there is, we will 
delve uh, delve into those things. And then um, we're going to start having some some guests on uh, some people in the industry that have been involved. Uh, I know several. I think we all know somebody that was in the that uh, was in the Las Vegas shooting or knows somebody who's in the Las Vegas shooting. So we'll start having some people and then. Ben, as I told you, I will be uh, teaching in New Orleans out near you in November. Uh, I got three engagements, possibly four, your synagogue. We'll see about that. And um, so we got a lot of good, exciting stuff coming up. Anybody who's interested in the program, just go to ActiveShooterSurvivalTraining.com. You can get the book. You can find out about the in-person, the online program, any of that stuff. And then, of course, October 25th and 26th is the next um, – uh, a live uh, instructor certification course where we will be teaching a whole new round of awesome new instructors to teach the alive program so anybody interested in that you can go to uh, active shooter survival training.com and go to the training education page or something on that just fill out the information and uh, you'll you'll get an email so we, you can stay tuned and get involved in that guys you got anything else nope i think this is a, a really interesting show interesting episode doing it from from the conference so i like that yeah <laughs> yeah like i said a little bit of technical technical stuff but it it panned out it worked right so we, we, we put some stuff out there and uh anyway guys as usual thank you very much i appreciate your time to the viewers uh, thank you and commend you for staying involved and being educated and and uh, making a difference hopefully everybody out there spreading the word whether it's alive or any kind of active shooter survival training as long as it's not scaring people and, and and productive well i shouldn't say that we scare people with some of the videos we show but it's effective we don't traumatize people um anybody anybody out there uh spreading the word to keep people safe i commend you and we will see you again next week